Because we talked, motherfucker. I did. I know. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Have to face the mic. So what's up? Uh, uh, much. Um, let's do this. I did. I I I did nothing. <laughs> so we can just. I, yep. Same here. It's gonna be fun. Welcome to Scatterbrain Podcast, episode 171. Banter, nope. volume... 172. Mm-hmm. No. Oh! 172. Backtrack, backtrack, let's start over. Welcome to Scatterbrain Podcast, episode 172. We're right? keeping that whole thing in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, fine. I, I totally forgot about the uh, the other one. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it's interesting doing this. We're kind of working in the future again, living in the past. It's kind of odd. I forget what we've talked about. What's coming up next? It's kind of weird. Yeah, I'm lost. The listeners have no idea that it's actually April right now. But um, <laughs> yeah, of 2025. Yeah. Wait, wait, what? Anyway, so uh, what have you been doing? Oh, man, just kind of hanging out, I guess. You know, uh, it was great hanging out yesterday. I'm glad that you were able to meet up and oh yeah, place food and beers. Good. That place is pretty good, huh? That place is pretty cool. That food was, man, I just inhaled it. Just, oh, gone. Yeah. You got good. the, uh, was it buttermilk chicken sandwich or something like that? Mm, yeah, it was good. They have good fries too. Yum. Oh, yeah. Their tater tots are great. Tater um, tots. <laughs> the, the Reuben I had yesterday was absolutely amazing. I remember yeah. that. That was the second time I've gotten it there. And uh, that first time I was like, I must get this next time. It is so good. Yeah. The look on your face when you took your first bite, you're like, this is so fucking good. It's, it's kind of funny. Yeah. We should My- probably shout this place out, right? Uh, sure, they're paying us. Why not? Yeah, well, uh, we went to Cork and Craft. They're kind of associated with the Abnormal Brewing Company. Cork and Craft. Delicious. Cork, Cork and Craft. Abnormal Beer Company. I didn't realize it was out of Rancho Bernardo. Yeah. That's where they brew all the beer, right? The Abnormal I beer. believe so, yeah. yeah San Diego has a ton of breweries, man. Yeah, it's trippy. I know at one point there were hundreds like 200 or something like that or almost 200 now now i think it's declined some of these have closed down hundreds of what like breweries microbrews craft brews in san diego county oh you mean overall in general yeah okay yeah yeah just like companies you know uh what do you mean a bunch of closed down because of because of the lockdown or the COVID thing or no i think it just got saturated you know i i know that <clears throat> remember that one place <clears throat> over by your storage yeah uh it's gone it's gone yeah they shut down i think like a year or two ago it's been a while damn that place was fucking cool yeah they had good beer too so you know just goes to show you that it's not only dependent upon beer but i think just in general there are so many there's beer everywhere there was a little place here in lemon grove that uh ed and i went to a couple times there was never anyone in there either and, and the owner was the one behind the bar you know and he was talking about the only way that they survived through the pandemic and everything was because um, his like father-in-law or his family-in-law or whatever are fairly well off. And so they just kept dumping money into it to keep them afloat. And they just closed down like a month ago. Sucks. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it sucks. He's just trying to doing his dream and it just got fucking hammered. I'm sure the um, the rent for these places has gone through the roof too. So that can't help. Oh, yeah. I know. Everything. Yep, everything. Well, anyways, yeah, it was really good hanging out yesterday, kind of getting outside. I know it's so nice. <laughs> it was crazy. You know what wasn't good? 
I get on the 15 and I just happen to have the radio on for some reason. And then I hear, oh, there's a brush fire in Miramar. Uh, traffic is basically dead stop from Air Mesa Boulevard forward. But I was I was flowing. It was going fast. And I'm like, is this is this old or is this brand new? Soon as I get to Mira Mesa Boulevard, it's a parking lot. I, like they're not even moving. So I get off on Mira Mesa Boulevard and like an idiot. I should have just stayed on Mira Mesa Boulevard and went, you know, west and then taken the 805 or something. But I decided I'm going to go on Miramar Road. I forgot about the Sky Show. The air show was uh, yesterday or this weekend. And oh, so that, I didn't realize that. And so I, that was a parking lot, too. So it took me like an hour and 20 minutes to fucking get home, dude. I got home just all wow. this sucked. I had no idea that I'm not anywhere near it. So I don't see any of the planes or hear any of the planes or anything like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Brush fire. I don't know how it started, but that didn't help the situation. It was just completely backed up. Wow. Yeah. That, funny. Those air shows, um, they're kind of, I guess, good in their own way, but they're just so, to me, they're always just so hot and crowded loud. and hot loud. and loud. Yeah. And crowded and crowded and, and hot. hot and hot. What's funny is I was on Mir- Miramar Road, right? And I'm just like, oh, God damn it, fucking why am I hitting every goddamn yellow light? And then it'd go like green, and then it'd be green for a couple seconds, and yellow red, you know, when it does that shit. And it's just like four cars go through, and I'm just sitting there going, fuck. But what was funny was the, the planes were flying like right over my car a couple times, right? Like right over, like really close. And it's so loud. And the woman in front of me was just all, ah! Like veering and shit, like she didn't understand what was going on, and I was just laughing, like, "Oh my god, this chick is so funny." She's freaking out. Weren't you at the air show, lady? What are you freaking out about? There are planes in the air right now. You know, they just go zooming, like the the Blue Angels, like five of them go right over our cars, and she'd be all panicking. Ah! It was great. It's it was crazy, great. man. Those guys are are obviously very skilled, but I mean, I've I've been in that that area when they're and seen them flying, or at other air shows. Indeed, when they come down in certain spots and they're turning around and doing some things in their maneuvers, you can like they're they're flying inverted and you can see the guys, you know, yep. they're not very high up. Yep. Uh, my mom's house, you know, where I lived forever, the house she sold was um, I, I just stand on the balcony and watch the whole air show and they would fly right over the house sometimes a couple times every year during the show. They would fly directly over the house and you could totally see that the guy in the uh, cockpit was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a. Uh... Uh, very exciting you know certain type of person can handle that and those the intensity of that and can i mean it's a whole thing right whole thing gotta have good eyes good all that good stuff yeah well now they don't fly out of there anymore i don't really even know where they're actually based out of it's a marine base now but they still show up once a year and do their show so that's kind of cool but uh anyway so i have a couple things i want to talk about not nothing too major or anything Did you see the thing about the James Kepler telescope uh, actually caught a glimpse of a a world like a water world that they there's like some sort of like biosignatures that uh, indicate that there may be life on the planet. But it's it's huge. It's like a Neptune sized planet. So I don't know how that would work with life if gravity is that intense. Uh, And it's it's, it orbits a red dwarf star, I guess. So I don't know how much. Which 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 apparatus discovered this? You said uh, James 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 Webb. Okay, James Webb. You said James Hubble, I think. So. Or James Hubble? No, I meant, I meant James Webb, yeah. And that was just recently. Did you see anything about that? No, no, I didn't. I uh, did I did not see that, but I did see something else interesting. But please tell me about this first, because well, I didn't I don't, hear that's anything all, about I it. Didn't, I didn't read much about it. I just saw that, and, and they were saying that it's the first time that, uh, like, it would have taken, it would have taken, like, 10 months or something for Hubble to actually have, like, like zoomed in on this planet and gotten 
enough information to just just you know to discern that this was in fact some sort of biosignature signatures for potential life. I don't know if it was methane. I, I can't remember what it was, but um, but James Webb just like zoomed in on his planet and and like uh, you know how they get like this spectrograph or whatever where they they can see what kind of uh gases are in the atmosphere, whether there's hydrogen and, and oxygen and all that kind of stuff, depending on what colors come up on the spectrum, blah, 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 blah. I don't know exactly how that works, but um, there is some sort of uh, some sort of uh, marker that indicates that there is probably, possibly, not, I mean, not probably, possibly uh, life could not be, you know, probably not intelligent life, but maybe uh, marine life in this huge ocean because there is definitely water on that planet. And they said it was like in between the size of Earth and Neptune. So it's a pretty big fucking planet. And it seems to me that gravity would be too intense for, you know, for like bipedal life to evolve, I would think. I mean, unless they're like two feet tall or something, but you never know. You never know. Or they could be amphibious. That's what they're thinking. You know, possibly they're kind of in, or, or maybe fully water, but like kind of in and out. I mean, that would be the, the logical process, right? I mean, yep. And, and they, uh, and James Webb just detected the first evidence of carbon on Jupiter's icy moon Europa as well. That just happened. Wow. I mean, that's you hear that one, just looking at Jupiter, that's probably like looking at the palm of your hand when it comes to the capability of James Webb, right? I mean, it seems like that. That's right there. really interesting. They can focus that relatively close when they're looking, you know, out 500 million years after the, <laughs> the Big yeah. Bang. I mean, that's kind of crazy that they can look relatively close as well. Yeah, it, it said it, it, it has identified carbon dioxide originating from the salty liquid ocean of Jupiter's icy moon Europa. That's a definite, um, you know, scientists have been aware for some time that there was an ocean there, right? That water lies beneath the icy shell of Europa, but they did not know if these oceans had uh, the right chemistry to support life. So just um, discovering carbon, it's a vital element of uh, in living things, you know, from the subsurface ocean on one of Jupiter's moons. Uh, it has important implications, dude, for the potential habitability of this moon and is a testament to the groundbreaking science being made possible by that telescope. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Changing, we've, I mean, we've mentioned it before, but again, I'll mention it. It's like, it's just completely changing the way people understand things, right? Well, another thing that I, I read about today, in fact, was the OSIRIS REX. Have you heard about that one? No. Okay, it stands for... Origins, Spectral Interpretation, Resource Identification, Security, Apophis Explorer. It's a NASA study, and it basically launched this thing back in 2016. It, the idea was they were going to go out to uh, basically land on this uh, asteroid and collect. So they'd start mapping out the planets, and then they would collect samples and bring it back. And it landed today. What no? Where did it land? Uh, it landed on an asteroid. The asteroid's name was called one zero nine. I'm sorry, one zero one nine five five Bennu. It launched in uh, 2016. Landed two years later on this asteroid. Yeah, yeah. And for 505 days, it it kind of I guess it it um covered around it and began. It was about uh, five kilometers out from there. It's pretty close. And it was just mapping the whole surface of it and everything. And then based off of the, what they were able to map out, they determined which site they would like to land on it and then sample. So they went oh, down, they, but they didn't land. They just got like really, really close and dropped out this robotic arm. Right. I just read about this. Yeah, it landed today. 
It landed today. I thought it was coming back, back in. I thought it was coming back home today. Yeah, that's what I mean. It landed today. Back home. Oh, oh, oh back came back today. Okay. Well, wow, that's for, it was in like a, a, a disc shape, like a saucer shaped um uh compartment or or capsule or something that uh slowed down. It was going like twenty something thousand miles an hour when it hit the atmosphere. And uh, where did it land though? Wasn't it supposed to land in like Utah or something? Um yeah, it was in Utah. It landed this morning. Uh, it said at uh eight fifty two local time. Damn. Hope they didn't bring back some sort of weird like uh alien sort of like uh disease or something. You never know. You never know, mm-hmm. right? Next thing you know, we're all gonna be infected. You never know. Why would they actually that's a good thought though? Why would they 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 must like swarm on that thing and and like wrap it up and make it as sealed as possible to make sure nothing escapes like germs or anything? Because you never know what's on some of those things, those asteroids and stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, you would presume that they would have they would have a way of putting it into these uh, sample collection. Right. Which then hermetically uh, sealed is it. complete. Yeah. Completely sealed up. Oh, stored. And then when they come back, I mean, as long as that the integrity of that is held, I mean, it, let's say on the arm, there's this bacteria when it's, it comes through at these, you know, or it's out there just at the radiation flying back for two years. I mean, that, that stuff's going to die. Right. You know, and then, and then the heat coming in through the atmosphere and, and all that, I think it's going to pretty much kill everything unless it's one of those, uh, what are the water bears called? What we, we did it on extremophiles. Um, tardigrades. Yeah, tardigrades. Unless it's those. Those things are trippy. Yeah. Anyways, I thought that was pretty cool that, you know, seven years later. Well, they did something like that in the mid 2000s, too, where they um, they actually flew a they flew behind the tail of a comet. And these like these like wax like wings came out and they were basically filters with wax in them, some sort of wax or gel. And it collected like samples of from the tail of the comet and then it, like folded back in and collected them and then released from the main ship and then came back to Earth and landed somewhere. I think it landed somewhere around Japan or in the waters around Japan and Japan ended up collecting it. No, it was in Australia, I think in the outback of Australia. And they'd end up going to Japan for them to study, you know, everything that was inside of the, uh, this gel that collected all the, the, the shit from the tail of, a, of an asteroid. I think it was like 2004 or 2005. Did you ever hear about that one? I do vaguely remember something about that. I want to know how fa- how they got that thing going fast enough to like, like be right alongside a comet, like to be keeping up with a comet. Those things are going pretty fucking fast. Well, they, they just do the math, figure out the trajectory and where they have to intersect with it probably get you know a gravitational pull from it or something i would think because that thing's going really fast I don't, yeah i'm not going to say it's trivial but if you have good measurements i think you can do the math and math math or something anyway know. yep so anyways this, this is pretty cool it landed it brought you know it's at uh 57 grams the osiris rex rex i don't know how you pronounce it but 57 grams yeah how much is that in uh in in real measurements uh about two ounces so because that because an ounce is like 28.2 grams i think something like that okay so it's point point one two six pounds so it's a little over a tenth of a pound okay that's kind of a lot that's weird anyone outside of uh united states or what moldova or whatever is going oh fuck pounds again 57 grams for those that use math that makes sense Oh really? Oh, you got it all down, huh? Pounds is pounds is not as easy for you. 
I don't know. P- pounds yeah, base and, 10, pounds base 10 and, as easy as it gets. <laughs> pa- well, not for me. Pounds and, and, and feet and miles makes more sense to me for some reason. Probably because I'm just raised that way, but whatever. Yeah, I was too, but it just even early on uh, to remember. You well, know, some of us are as bright, some of us are as bright as you, Daniel. Yeah, well, <laughs> the rest of the world's not wrong, probably in this. Uh, I guess not. Base yeah, ten. It's easy. Probably, probably, probably correct. Anyway, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, is, dude, have you heard of this robot grandma thing? Yeah, you know, you you sent me the video. Uh, I it almost like seemed like you wanted to do an episode on it, so I started watching no, it. I don't no, know that it seems it needs a whole episode. No, it doesn't. I just but want to I talk fell, about it. I fell asleep watching the video. It's a long ass <laughs> video, dude. The hour and a half or something. No, it's like fifty minutes, you lamo. No, but the, sec- the second half, it, the second half is him going to the the location where it all happened and wandering around and talking about. It. So the second half is kind of like throwaway you know it's like whatever we don't we don't need you walking around where the, the shit happened but the first half is him telling the story or this case about this this kid who went missing they were camping in mount shasta like the base of mount shasta there's all kinds of killer places i guess to, to you know campgrounds and stuff i'd like to go there someday even though it's, it's apparently kind of a weird strange paranormal sort of mountain but um have you been there a, like you haven't even driven through it or anything like no, that? no i've never been to mount shasta huh? but apparently weird paranormal shit happens there all the time missing people happen there all the time it's very strange well, aliens, a lot of open aliens land sightings. Yeah, well, alien sightings, UFOs coming in and out of the mountain, weird yeah. shit like that, dude. But um, apparently they were having like a family get together and the kid just suddenly went like a three year old kid suddenly went missing, just gone. And they searched everywhere for hours and hours. And after about five hours, they found him kind of off the beaten path on it, like, you know, like more like an animal trail hiding underneath a bush. And um, he didn't say anything for a while. But one day, weeks or months later, he said to his grandma, you know, you know, I like you better than my than the other grandma, the other grandma Cappy. And she's like, "What are you talking about? I'm yeah. the only grandma Cappy." Yeah. And, and and he said, "Well, the other grandma wasn't as nice as you." And she's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And well, not fuck, but you know. And um, he said that she or the grandma came out of nowhere when he got lost because all the kids took off that he was playing with because of a rattlesnake. Yeah. Start, start over. So they were they were all camping. It was like his family yeah. and some other family, right? Like, yeah, yeah. They were all camping. It was a family get together. The kids ran off to play. All the kids yelled rattlesnake, right? But the, the three-year-old kid was left behind because everyone just scrammed. And so he was left alone in the woods, not too far from camp, but he didn't know where he was. And so he wandered around and then this woman came out of the bush and it was his grandma. And his grandma took him by the hand and led him into like a cave. And he said inside the cave, there were like, there were like backpacks and guns everywhere. And there were like all these like, like people frozen kind of stuck to the wall, like completely, you know, not animated. But um, he thought that they were robots. And then the grandma like ended up going up like a, um, there was, there was a, uh, not a staircase, but a ladder. A ladder. She was going up. Yeah, a ladder. Was she was going up a ladder? He said the way that the sun or the way that the light hit her, it like glinted, and he realized that she wasn't a person. She was like made of metal or something. So he assumed he's only a three year old kid. He assumed that it was actually a robot that was somehow made to look like his grandma, right? And the freaky thing is, a year prior to that, his grandma was camping at a different campground not too far from there. Like a year prior. And he, she was there with a friend, a, a platonic friend, a male who slept in the camper and she slept outside in a tent. She said when she woke up the next morning, she was face down in the dirt outside of her tent, outside of her sleeping bag and had like the worst headache. Like she was totally sick and she had like this hole in the back of her neck. And she said 
her companion was really sick too and also had the same hole in the back of his neck dude and it's like what the fuck so does that mean that something like grabbed dna from them and then a year later knew that the family was going to be there or or knew from the dna that that was the family and then created this like fake grandma cappy for this kid to see and what's up with all the fucking people stuck to the inside of the wall of that cave and shit dude it's really weird yeah the the kid describes it like he's going down to like a subterranean area right it's not just like the hole like in a wall it's like it goes down well he first describes it as a cave and then he describes it as a like like a dungeon or a crypt or something like yeah yeah dungeon was how he described it later yeah but what makes it all weird is before before this was all, you know, before anyone knew their names or anything, the grandma like put on Reddit or something, you know, anonymously, this story about, you know, this all this whole thing happening and about what happened to her like a year prior and how strange it was and what freaks her out about what the grandkid is saying. Right. And then in 2019 or something, they went on the History Channel. There was some weird show and they actually interviewed them and they gave their names and they all told their story and they all like still like the the sister was there too she obviously wasn't abducted by grandma cappy or whatever but she was like you know oh no i believe him i mean this is my family and and he was gone for five hours and they found him under a tree and i guess the grandma cappy like led him back to the, this bush and said wait here till they find you and then she vanished right yeah and yeah it's fucking weird dude it's a weird story it's a it's a strange one because i mean on one hand the kid's three right so you know you he, he's his that's kind of like at the age I think when most people, or even before the age that most people really have concrete memories and some of the stuff maybe wouldn't have context, right. For the, for a younger child, but then also, you know, they also don't have the, uh, what's the word? Like the, I don't want to say regular, that's not the word, but like as good of a way of discerning reality from like fiction or make believe, you know, and you could almost see how, he would just be scared getting lost and then having this whole experience. I don't know. It seems like, yeah, I don't know about that. You don't think so. Yeah. I don't know about that. I don't, I, people would say, well, kids have great imaginations. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this kid wasn't like making this up. That's just too weird. And the fact that without being told anything that happened to the grandma previously, the, the fact that the grandma then says after, after he told her that, you know, she gets, chills goosebumps and goes oh my god and realizes to herself you know a year prior that this other weird thing happened to her it just it just kind of i don't think they're all lying about it i don't think he's making it up i don't think she's making it up that's not the impression i get yeah i don't know i mean to me it seemed i don't the know kid, the kid was gone the kid was yeah gone. the kid was gone but it was for five hours you're not talking like travis walton right you know and True. the story did change from when he was three when it happened to later on when he was older how did it change well, I mean, even just some of the details, right? I mean, you said one it was a cave and the other one was like, oh, no, they brought me down into a dungeon. Just like different things that they had different like mm. language and different context. You know what I mean? So the, the Yeah, that seems like a minor change, though. That's not like a big change. You know, this story has basically stayed the same, though. Maybe looking back on it, he realizes he was only three years old. He doesn't know what a dungeon is as opposed to a cave. He's later in life. He's older and he knows what a dungeon is now. And he realizes, oh, that wasn't in a cave. That wasn't a cave. That was a dungeon, you know? He said another thing he said, there's like spiders everywhere, which really freaked him out as a little kid. Right. So, you know, he notices the spiders everywhere, but he also notices backpacks and guns all around the place. That's pretty weird, dude. You know, especially like they were collected. Right. Yeah. Forgot about that detail. Yeah. That's pretty weird, dude. Anyway, 
I just thought it was interesting. That's all. So what do you think there is there? I mean, I'm sure people have, if you probably go look at paranormal stuff, I'm sure there's whole write-ups on this and people talking about it to death. But it was kind of interesting, but I sort of just wrote it off. Well, I, I don't, this is like totally unexplainable to me because I don't think this is some sort of delusion. I don't think this is a mental thing. A three-year-old kid and then the grandma. I mean, she's not going to like enable him by fucking, you know, telling her part of this story to like make his more realistic or it just doesn't make any sense to me uh aliens why would aliens like suddenly like you know create a, a clone of the grandma to show the grandkid sometime later why, why would an alien be like abducting all these people and keeping them in this dungeon but let him free you know what i mean why would yeah, the grandma... that mean it just seems like uh strange it just seems strange though but i don't I, it doesn't seem like it's something they made up though that's what makes it like very unexplainable to me like it doesn't seem like a like a delusion or a lie. Something happened, but it's hard to really figure out what exactly the truth is. You know, I, I don't I don't know. Just the three year old got lost. He was panicking and went and was wandering around, ended up in some cave or something, wandering around and got scared. Had delusions about being being protected by this grandma. That led him to a cave and there's all these bodies in the cave, but not protected. Right. I mean, well, he, the grandma pulled him back out and put him under a bush and said, wait here. So in a way, yeah, protected, I, I guess, you know, yeah, I guess. And then and then he has this delusion that grandma's all shiny like a robot, which doesn't really make sense. I mean, that totally doesn't make sense. And if it's a DNA thing or a clone, then why would it be a robot? Why would it be all shiny? You know, but he's just it's really got weird. scared and, and laid down, went to sleep. He was so OK, scared. so let's just say let's just say he's scared and he's having all these. Let's say he laid down, went to sleep and dreamt all this. Let's just say that's the case. Right. But then why does that? Why would he tell his grandma that? And then his grandma go, oh, shit, because she had a similar, not similar, but this weird thing that happened a year prior. I don't think the grandma dreamt this. She didn't dream waking up face down in the dirt, yeah. especially when she, she has have those sick and then have the thing with the hole in the back of her neck. Well, yeah. And there's another witness there who was there with her camping. The same thing happened to who says, yeah, that really happened. Right. So it's just kind of weird. It's like I can at least I think I believe the grandma's side of the story. You know, I'm sure the kid could be like just having having some sort of like freak out or having delusions or maybe dreamt it when he's laying down under the bush. I don't know. That's totally possible. That's actually more realistic or probable than, you know, there was an actual robot grandma there. But the yeah. fact that the fact that he told the grandma the story a year later to the grandma's experience is a little bit weird. You know what I mean? So let's say for me, I, I kind of think I sort of kind of wrote the story off for one reason or another. Let's say that something extraordinary was happening there what do you think it was but why that's just that's, well, that's what thing. i mean why? yeah that's what make, i mean that doesn't make any sense it's like why oh oh that was the thing i missed um when the when the robot grandma or the other grandma cappy took him into that cave or dungeon or whatever apparently um she had him take his shirt off and was like feeling his belly like his abdomen feeling for something and then told him that she wanted him to to poop on a piece of sticky paper and he said he, uh, yeah. he said he said he couldn't go, you know, so it didn't happen. And then so she like climbed up a ladder. He saw her freaked out. And then he he took the kid back to this bush and then left him there and said, wait for them to find you and then vanished. So that's a pretty weird part of the story, too. It's like that's a pretty fucking weird dream for a three year old to have, really. Yeah, but he's three and he's fixated on not shitting Poop. his pants and pooping. Know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. That's true. That's so, true. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think I sort of wrote it off as more of like a dream like not that the child made it the child a three-year-old's gonna have no reason to make up a story right no but 
to me, it seems pl- most plausible that he got lost for whatever reason. And he's wandered t- around, got scared and laid down and was scared. And like they found had a, had a fucking weird dream, had a yeah. really weird one of those yeah. vivid dreams that seemed real. And then he woke up under the bush, you know, thinking that Grandma Cappy left him there or some shit. Right. Yeah. But uh, that sounds reasonable. But um, the the grandma side of the story, though, to me, I, I don't think she's lying about that. I think something weird happened to her and she just put two and two together like that. Like, oh, my God, how, how strange is that? You know? So, yeah, I don't know. It's very yeah. strange. Well, we always find uh, connections, right? I mean, I think that's how people have like paranoid delusions and things, right? They make connections that may or may not be there. Right? But, I mean, that's what we people do is make connections between things and events. Yeah. And sometimes the connections, though, are there. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's easy to say, you know, oh, well, it's too obvious that didn't happen, you know, because it's just, you know, it's too obvious. It's too out. And it's like there someone someone's making something up or these connections happen and it looks just too, too much like the, what they want you to think it looks like or whatever. So it didn't happen. It's like, well, maybe it did. Maybe these connections are there for a reason because they are actually connected. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's true, too. I mean, Occam's razor. What What is the most logical thing or the, the easiest answer, you know, getting you to a conclusion or or the answer is usually what it is. The most logical, easiest, you know, the easiest path, right? So that's what you usually take as the easiest path to an answer. That's usually what it is. The most logical. Falling, getting scared, getting lost, getting scared, and falling asleep, having a dream. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is the most logical thing in my mind that happened to the kid. But it is a a kind of a trippy story, you know. And the fact that they believe that this weird shit actually happened to them like that—it's very strange. But look, I mean, I think that. There have been a lot of stories that we've talked about on here that some of them sound like BS. Some sound pretty compelling, you know, and there's going to be, like I said, to me, the way I think of these things, like the spectrum of possibility. Some of them are like, no way, that's that's not possible. Some others seem plausible. Yeah. Think of Think of all the things that, quote unquote, aren't possible that have turned around, turned out to be like proven to be true. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true, too. I mean. Some of the some of the things are like ridiculous, like like M, like MK Ultra. To me, it's like even though that has been proven to be something that the CIA did for twenty years, it still sounds to me like something made up. Like that's a bunch of bullshit, dude. But no, they have the paperwork to prove it. It's like, but it still sounds like bullshit. You know what I mean? Like dosing people with LSD without their knowledge and making them insane. You know, for twenty years they did that shit. Nah, that didn't happen. But then, boom, there's the paperwork there in the seventies. Yep. Yeah, it's you're great. you're uh, you're just you're a conspiracy. Theorist, get that foil off your head. Are you talking to me? Rhetorically, sarcastically. Well, like someone who says that that shit is actually happening and everyone goes, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And then there it is. Right. I mean, the same thing with like the, uh, I believe it was called the Prism Project or something like that. And it was this, it came out, it was all tied in, if I'm not mistaken, with like the, the uh, Edward Snowden kind of thing. And basically that they were aggregating all of this this all, uh all this that data database basically like you know all your phone calls all your text messages any emails and everything everyone and people go who would say this stuff like oh i don't talk on the phone or i don't do this because of the x y and z people are like oh yeah you fucking crazy guy lo and right? behold here they are yeah that was happening yeah i know it's like <laughs> oh you don't <laughs> look so thing, cra- right don't look so crazy now all of a sudden right yeah that's what i mean so you you never know i guess you never know just like uh well and like the camera on you know the camera on your iphone or whatever when the iphones first came out or when i first got my first uh iphone what in 2011 or something 
I put tape over that camera that's facing you. Every time you use your iPhone, there's that camera facing you. And I thought that's a little weird having a camera there. Someone could hack into my phone and be watching me. I don't like that. So I put tape over it. Now, remember you looked at it and go, you, you're like, why'd you put tape over your camera? And I said, just in case someone wants to watch me. And, and I thought you were going to go, oh, you fucking crazy guy. But you're like, you know, no, that's a good idea. <laughs> you just like, we're like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. And then not too long later, I saw people's reactions to videos. They were playing these yeah. weird videos and they're just showing the guy's face watching these videos. And someone was recording them having reactions to their videos. So they knew somehow to get into their phone when someone would watch one of their videos, they could activate the camera somehow. And they had all these people reacting to their video and then they posted it. And I'm like, oh, that's it. I think those, I've seen those videos you're speaking of and the ones I saw at least look like they're sort of set up. Like they bring so? people in to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. You think so? Well, that was enough for me to go, oh, fuck, I'm keeping that tape on my, I mean, I don't have that now. I mean, it's just like, who cares if anyone's seen me fucking pick my nose or whatever. But, you know, at the time I was like, it just seemed a little bit weird having a camera staring right at me, but fuck it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they're everywhere anyways, you know, they're everywhere. Are like, you know, really wary of people tracking them down. You have to get rid of the phone. You can't use credit cards or debit cards. You got to always go in and you got to wear a mask when you go into the bank to withdraw cash. Yep. The whole everywhere. thing. Right. I mean, yeah. If anyone wants to like track where I went, where I was at any given time through the day, there. all they could do is look at where did he go today? Let's see. He went to uh, Albertsons. He let's see. He went over to the bank. Yeah, exactly. And they can just do a timeline of my day just based on fucking film or a video. Yeah. Or, you know, your phone, it's all correlational, right? They have those phone. Uh, they're trying to, I don't know, some places they have those, those stupid cameras, you know, they're probably license plate camera, quote unquote, license plate cameras that are determining, you know, how fast you're going between lights. And then they, they, uh, give you a ticket if you're speeding that's something that they're that they're talking about doing in california did you hear about that no but i i mean i thought they already had the well they took them away but remember the, the yeah the, they had the, the camera the stoplight cameras yeah they took yeah. them off they took them away for a while there but and they're still so, around but i think only in certain areas I think my mom or my brother got a ticket from one of those things once fucking bullshit you know, it's like you're the last car going through as it's turning yellow and then it turns red as you're like not quite through the intersection and she got a ticket for it. And I was just like, this is bullshit, you know, it's kind of crap, but whatever. I guess the law technically is you have to be through it before it turns red. Technically. Yeah, as long as you're over that line before it turns red, you're fine. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> but I, I mean, I've done that and I've seen people do that right in front of cops and they don't chase them down. You just can't be going, you can't be like, actively going through the red light if yeah it's yeah i mean i think yeah. well that's the thing though but a camera doesn't make that distinction that's right that's that's what i'm talking about though and that's why i was like this is bullshit you know because i think i was in the car at the time and it was clearly not a dangerous maneuver it was just getting through the light you know but actually i think maybe i was driving and it was her car that's what it was but yeah i think anyway. should have gotten the ticket yeah, but it was her car, her license plate. So there, there's a, <laughs> but there's another flaw right there. Well, the camera is there, and she's she's gonna get the ticket. She's gonna go, that's not me. See the picture. That's not me. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Yeah. Anyway, I I don't entirely agree with. Can you imagine living in like London where there's cameras every ten feet, dude? That place is just all cameras. Yeah, it's a, it's weird. Like so they're everywhere. I'm not a fan of it, you know. But when you're out and about, just like someone seeing you, right? And if you're in your car. And you're, or you're walking down the street. I mean, you have to sort of assume you're out in public. You're out in public, you know? Public is public. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't like the idea, but 
yeah, public is public. Now, what about, do I think well, that they should be, you know, tracking you and, you know, all this stuff monitoring when you go? No, I don't think so. But I'm sure it's happening. But they can. Like, say if, say if I just suddenly went missing, right? Oh, God. Knock on wood somewhere here. There we go. Suddenly went missing. They could see where I was during the day. And then, well, this was the last camera that, that spotted him, right? From there, he just vanished, right? Doesn't use his credit cards. Hasn't touched his bank account. Blah, 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 whatever. It's like, what about those cases though, where all of a sudden they're never seen on a camera again? That's pretty weird, dude. That sounds like a great movie. A great... Uh... But it happens all the time. We're, we're so one is like missing and then they they see where they went throughout the course of the day and then they'll like round a corner somewhere there's other cameras elsewhere too but all of a sudden they round a corner and they just vanish and they're not on any other the any other of these video systems again and years go by and no one knows what happened to them it's really weird people disappear you know i know i know but like everywhere like does someone just grab them and throw them in a trunk and then drive to another state or you know, it's just it's just kind of scary. You can just yeah. I mean, driving literally off the side of the, driving off the side of the road into the water, no one sees any. I mean, who knows? Oh yeah, yeah, there's that too. It happens. Now I got to go take a piss, and they live somewhere remote, and you know, right. they go and a, a, whatever gets them, they fall down a ravine and they they die, and someone sees the car open and they steal it and they go. I mean, any permutation, right? I mean, it's possible. Uh, uh, Walking, walking, you know, home from the bar. There's an underground cave, a little, little crack that no one ever sees because it's in between two bushes. Yeah, you decide to take a piss. You fall into the crack. You go twenty feet down into this cave. You're screaming, but you're in the middle of nowhere, so no one ever hears you. And then you just die down there. But you, you took a piss. Gollum eats you. At least you're a little bit drunk when you went down there, so it's fine. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. That sucks. Dude, it sucks. <laughs> or you, you know what? You know what would be terrifying though is falling into like one of those crevasses. Like, you know, people go up uh, like, uh, um. Mount Everest, you know, when they, they have to like cross all these like big, big crevasses and, and the cracks in the ice and shit. Fuck that, dude. That's just, that's hairball. Yeah. They'll, they'll like put like a, a ladder across it and be like crawling on all fours across the ladder, across this big gaping maw. Fuck that, dude. I don't know why people even do that. It's like, cause it was a challenge. Cause it was there, you know, it's like, you're paying for that shit. You're fucking out of your mind. And the bodies that still they're still up there, dude. People going up to the top of Everest have to still pass these frozen yeah. corpses. That's weird, dude. Yeah. I've seen some like I saw a video fairly recently of like there was a body and I think they like slid down. I don't know if it was because of meltage or what, you know. But this person was recording it and you see this. I mean, it looks like someone, you know, if you you've been skiing and you've seen someone get hurt and the ski patrol gets them and they're on like the the little skiff or whatever, and you're just kind of, I don't know if that's the term, but the little sled, mm-hmm. and they're kind of bringing you down. It looked kind of like that from a distance, right? And then there they go, just down, and it was this, like, frozen body, you know? Oh, God. And the people were just, like, you know, like, freaking out, obviously, but it's like, what do you do? Well, oh, you're not going to go up there and retrieve it. I mean, no. I mean, you're barely, it's dangerous enough as as it is just to get there, right? That's why there's a corpse there. And what's weird is the, the family yeah. knows that that corpse is there. They just they can't go retrieve it. That's where that's where they are. That's fucking weird, dude. That's a weird thing. And they're like an ice block. Nothing's eating it, right? I mean, they're there. Right. There's there's there are people that are there that have been used as landmarks, right? Because they've been there for so long. Oh, the the guy in the uh, Mister Red Bo- Red Boots or Red Gloves or whatever. Yeah, Red Pants, something like that. He's yeah, he's one of the main markers there. He's like right next to the uh, the main path that goes up there. That's scary, dude. And he's just laying there. I've seen pictures of him. It's like, who is that guy? I'm sure they know who it is, but sure. I don't think they like publish his name for a reason. Family probably says, you know, respect his 
respect his whatever, you know, his landmarks, his I mean, landmark status as Mr. Red Boots or whatever. <laughs> Just leave him at that. It fucking sucks. <laughs> oh my god. You'd think they could like peel him out of the the ice or something and put him on a sled and just fucking hurl him down the side of the mountain, you know? Yeah, but that's a process to get up there and it's expensive, right? I mean, you got to pay someone to go do it, right? The Sherpas and whatever, and you got to get, I mean, it's a whole process, right? You have to reserve a spot in these camps and everything. It's a whole thing. Yeah, but all those hundreds of people passing him all the time, they can't do anything about it? No, they paid their money. They're barely making it. They're there there for their... their, uh... Right. Top of the world experience. They know what that, that's what that is. There you go. And uh, they're they're probably. I mean, it's. I'm sure it's grueling. So they're probably yeah. just barely making it. Yeah, and I think most of those people aren't even like, aren't even necessarily um, skilled hikers. You know, no, Mount, no mountain climbers. No, they just have money and they want to. They want a challenge. It's like okay, good luck with that, buddy. Yeah. I wonder how many people die on that on Mount Everest every year. Hmm. Should we look it up real quick? Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Because I'm sure it's, it's probably a few hundred since they started doing this, at least, right? I would say... Yeah, why don't you take say, a guess? I'll say... Um, uh, I say the, I would say the worst year was probably about 15 or 20, and on average, maybe three or four. Yeah, you're pretty good. Are you reading it? Nope. Okay, yeah. The uh, According to the Himalayan database, at least 322 people have died. Oh, wow. Mount Everest since records began in 1922, averaging okay, out to so... about 4.4 deaths per year. And oh. that number slowly ticks up each year. Well, yeah, because there's more people going, right? Yeah, big time. Yeah. What was the what was the deadliest year, though? I think it was in the 90s sometime, 94, 95. Like there was some major, like major, like one of the parties had a bunch of deaths in it. It was like a cascading chain of events that caused a bunch of deaths. Let's see here. Um, I'm going to say 94. Here's the single deadliest day. That'll work. 5th, 2015. Oh, how many? A 7.8 magnitude earthquake resulted in the deaths of 19 people at the base camp. That's right. Damn. I saw a video of that. day happened on April 14th, 2014, when an avalanche took out 16 Nepali climbing guides. Wow. Yeah, I saw a video of that earthquake, dude, when that happened, and it from people at the base camp and you, you look up and you see a huge avalanche. It's like shaking. They're all, what the fuck's going on? And they look up in this huge wall of white is coming toward him. And you hear the one guy going, Oh my God. And he like, he like jumps in his tent and zips up the tent. And I'm like, how is that going to help you dude? But it, it did. I mean, you, you see it like crushing in around him and it just created like a cocoon around him. And he was with a couple other people and they're like nudging each other. As they're under at least all this you have stuff. some air. I think that's what happens, right? Even if it comes in a little bit, well, it doesn't go but up most your nose. Most of it's going to skid over it, probably, right? Because it wants to, you know, yeah, keep and, going. And then, and it, and it doesn't wedge up your nose and shit, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. So, I mean, so you're going to have some space in there where you can actually breathe because yeah. I think that's but probably it, a lot of the problem. You start off, you don't know which way is up or down. You can't breathe because you're just packed in. But the guy was recording and it's like pitch black and, and you hear like the ruffling of the tent. And you can hear like like nudging each other and like are you okay are you, are you and then the guy's like yeah I'm all right where's blah 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 you know and then and then the guy's like oh my god like he thinks he's gonna die there he's he doesn't know how much he's buried under right but then you see like light creeping in and like someone like like pulling all the snow off in a little creek you know a little crack you know and you see like an eyeball looking in all are you in there are you okay and the guy's like oh thank god you know and all these people start shoveling all the snow off and they pull those guys out and I was just like fuck that's insane. But you know what's more insane is it hit again the same day. Same shit happened to those people. 
like yeah. you know the aftershocks and stuff more yeah. snow fell on them it's like what a nightmare day dude yeah it's horrible Man, 19, I found some 19 really people good... I found, huh 19 people that day you said yeah i found Ugh. some really good stats so uh let's see here um mount everest has seen the tragic loss of over 300 climbers in recent history with about how many do you think how many bodies do you think remain up there I'll say, well, there's there's like the original guy who they didn't find till 20 years ago or something. And then his partner was up there. And then I would say, I'll say remain up there, maybe 30. Not even close. An estimated 200. Wait a minute. 300 people have died on the mountain and 200 are still up there? Yeah. Oh, wow. We figure, I mean, those 19 people probably didn't get uh, lifted out, right? I mean, they're just there. Well, no, they're at the base camp though, so they're they're they had a way out. The corpses had a way out. The helicopters they could fly at that. But are high. they going to? Do you think they did? They did. I saw the video of it. Oh. The helicopter showed up and started like slowly airlifting the dead and the wounded out of there. But that's about as high as they can go because beyond that, there's there's just no you know the air gets so thin the helicopters don't work. So, but yeah, the the base camp there's a, there's multiple base camps, and I think the one where it was hit the worst was one of the lower ones. You know. And then there's like an there's an upper base camp, and then and then from there they do the the last part of the hike. That's where they go over all the crevasses through, you know, all the cracks and shit through the ice. And it's just like it's just insane. It's just absolutely insane doing that. I think. Yeah. How long does it take people on average to get up to the top? Like how the whole process? Well, don't they go to the base camp and they camp there for a night? They wait till sometimes they have to wait till the weather clears up or or they find their their spot. So they could be down at base camp for days, right? Yeah, and then actually getting to the top from from the upper base camp, I don't know. It's got to take at least a, like a half a day because you want to get up there and back down before it gets dark, is, is from what I understand. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> oh, otherwise no, you're not even close either on this one. What's that? What's telling? They say here, I'm, and I'm I'm going from climbing dash kilimanjaro.com. So I don't know. You know, it looks like a site dedicated to this whole thing with information. These are frequently asked questions, but. uh it takes up to six weeks because people have to acclimate to the high altitude. So they got to go up there and they got to like sit there for a long time. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Now, on the other hand, descending from the summit to the base camp takes only a couple of days. A couple of days. So they have to camp in the dark on the on the side of the mountain. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that. The weather and avalanches, all that shit. No, fuck that. Not to mention Yeti and aliens. No, fuck that. I was kidding. The, the death probably. rate for climbing Mount Everest in the last 30 years, what do you think that percentage is? Um, one in every 100. You're right. 1%. Is it really? Yep. Oh, well, at least I got some of the numbers right. Yeah. Let's I didn't see, think what it else here? six weeks. That's insane. Oh, oh. Six weeks. That's six weeks of my life wasted, freezing my ass off. That was I fun. Know, right? oh, fuck that shit. Terrified for my life the whole time. That was great. <laughs> So I'm reading this Kilimanjaro website because they're talking about uh, as it relates to Mount Everest. But those are the stats for Mount Everest that we were reading. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Let's see here. Thousands of people try it every year. It's interesting. I didn't realize it was that many, but I guess it is, right? I guess I mean, so. It's pretty common now. How many people um, cross the Pacific solo in a boat? That sounds like an even more adventurous thing. Yeah, I don't know. Let's like let's wrap up on a couple of these deaths from from Everest real quick. Solo boat across Pacific. I got to know this now. Look that yep. one up. 
Yeah. Okay. What were you going to say though? So let's talk about deaths here on Mount Everest. We're just going to talk about classifications and about how many people, right? Mm-hmm. So how many people died since they started keeping track in 1922, ascending to the summit? Like you would think that's pretty high, right? Sure. It's high, right? Well, you well didn't, you, didn't you already say? No. So we didn't talk about how people died going up, going down, all that. So it was 300 something total then, but how many people died ascending? I would say yeah. it's less than descending. So maybe 50? Yeah, 20. Okay. Uh-huh. Descending uh, from the summit is 90. Yeah, that's not correct. Yeah, you got to figure people are already like, they're they're exhausted. They're like, they made it. They're all elated, probably getting lazy, you know. Through no fault of their own, they're tired and happy and everything. Well, right? and gra- and gravity's pulling them down too. So, yeah, right. Um, there have been 120 people in the route preparation that died. So the people that are going up and like blazing the trail after it mm-hmm. snows and stuff like that, so people can get through. That's how most people are dying. How are they dying? Route preparation. So like this avalanche comes or it snows really hard or whatever. And then they have, someone has to go through and clear all that trail out. So you can get through. Hmm. Those are the guys that are done. Oh, oh, route. Oh, I see what you mean. I was like, what route preparation? Okay. I see what you mean. Route preparation. Sorry. Route route, tomato, tomato. Uh-huh. 36 people died at the base camp and six people have died on route to the base camp. Most common causes of death. 29% is avalanche. That's pretty high. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. Falling. You say you alluded to it when you said gravity. Uh, 23%. Exposure and frostbite uh, causes 11% of the deaths. Mountain sickness causes 10%. And then other, which probably means people that had a heart attack, people that, you know, anything like that, 27%. Hmm. So avalanche and falling and then random shit. Makes sense falling in avalanches, <laughs> you know. Yeah, totally. God, that's got to be a scary way to go because you see it coming too, you know. Would you ever do anything like cave? No, spelunking no. or like no, 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 yeah. no, no. Uh-uh. That's yeah. that's got to be the most terrifying. I'm already kind of claustrophobic, dude. But those people who like go in those water cave, like scuba dive in those caves, and have to have that line, you know, to get so they can find their way out. Otherwise, they're fucking stuck. But they they go through these little tiny spots. Or to get to the other side, they have to like squeeze their body, and people have gotten stuck there like that and died there, nightmare. dude. And they're still there. That's like the biggest nightmare, right there, dude. The biggest nightmare because you just run out of air and die. You suffocate, stuck in between two fucking rocks. No way, dude. Never, ever, 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 never, ever. No. Or <laughs> yeah, that sounds, <laughs> or, or, that sounds horrible. That's like almost as bad as being burned alive. You know? Oh God. Yeah. That's no. That's horrible. So I remember a long time ago, I think my stepmom or someone asked, you know, if you if you had to choose one way, freezing to death or or being burned alive, I just looked at her like, are you fucking crazy? You know, freezing to death is like nothing, man. You just kind of go to sleep. I wouldn't you know? call it nothing, but compared yeah. to compared to frying alive. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'd call it's it like nothing. you would. Yeah, you would pass out eventually. Right. You just kind of go to sleep. You're like, get so tired. And just go. Well, I'm freezing. I just need to go to sleep. That's basically it. Yeah. But yeah, fucking crazy, dude. Um, let's see. Uh, the first 14 ocean rows up to including 1981 are considered historic ocean rows. They're completed with very limited, if any, modern technology. Ocean uh, rows, what do you mean? Like rowing, rowing across? Rowing across the freaking one We're of the oceans. They're not rowing. They're using sails, right? 
I mean, come on. The first ocean to be deliberately rowed across was the Atlantic by Frank Samuelson and George Harbo, two Norwegian-born Americans in June of 1896. I assure you those were not the first guys. There were some, they some lived, Samoan guys that well, fucking went across the ocean. Recorded, dude. recorded, dude. Two people. We're not talking about like 20 people on a big boat. We're talking about a fucking rowboat, dude. Two Norwegian-born Americans. Uh, they, left, they left Battery Park, Manhattan in 1896 in June. Arrived at the Isle of Sicily 55 days, 13 hours later, having covered 3,250 nautical miles in a rowboat. <laughs> Dude, that seems fast. That seems really fast, doesn't it? A little less than two long months. Long-ass time. That sounds horrible. That sounds fucking crazy, dude. And the fact you, I mean, you, you hit like a big squall or, or a bad storm. Dude, it's just you and another dude in a little boat with rows. Oh, my God. I hope they had like a, you know, like extra rows in case one fell in the ocean right oh dude <laughs> they're paddling with their hands oh, here we geez. go okay so i'm gonna look to refer to guinness book of world records here for this okay no We're such at- no such crossing would be officially attempted again for 70 years <laughs> and in a testament to its inherent danger the first to try to repeat the feat again a two-man crew rowing the atlantic from west to east were lost at sea in 1966 damn dude who, in the individual, uh, oh, this is not in one go. Never mind. I was looking up the greatest ocean distance road or paddled in aggregate. As it, I realized it was an aggregate. So it wasn't so impressive. Still impressive. This guy, Erden Eric, rode uh, 34,160 miles. Like that's confirmed mileage. 54,976 kilometers. Doing what? Road rowing in the ocean oh <laughs> greater than the circumference of the earth apparently <laughs> Jesus Christ dude. <laughs> the first solo crossing of an ocean was completed by John Fairfax of Britain on 19th of July 1969 he rode from Grand Canary and the Canary Islands to Hollywood Beach Florida in 180 days and in the same year Tom McLean also of Britain rode from Newfoundland Canada arriving at Blacksod Bay Ireland um, on the 27th of July, 1969, they left four months after, despite having left almost four months after Fairfax, he came within eight days of beating Fairfax to the title of first solo roar of any ocean. Holy shit. Even though he left later, he was hauling ass. That's interesting. So that was the first one in 1969. To row solo across an ocean. Why would why would you do that? I mean, I don't know. It's like, I'm the first to do it. But yeah, but why? That's, that just sounds incredibly dangerous and no fun. Yeah, how people do you, have a passion; they want to do it, right? I mean, that's how that's how people you, are going to make it to you know Mars and stuff is wanting that, wanting to be on the edge of that experience. You know, the challenge. Think of you—you you stop to eat some food, or you stop to take a dump over the side of your rowboat, and uh, the the tide just starts pulling you back the direction you just came from, and you just have to do that all over again because you stopped to eat something. You're like, fuck, dude. Uh, this yeah. is why this is why having a sail is very important. Hey, and that's a whole amazing thing that people, you know, very very early, thousands of years ago, made it. Something I heard the other day, which kind of confused me. I haven't really looked into it, but it, it, someone said um, there's a misnomer with sailing, like you know, sailboats or big sailing vessels. It, people think that the wind blows the ship to where it wants to go, right? But actually, what's happening is the wind is sucking the ship. To where it needs to go how does that work because you want to you want to have Wait, the say that again say that again 
the wind doesn't blow you to where you want to go. It technically sucks you to where you want to go. And it just, that doesn't make sense to me. But then some other guy who was a sailor said, you know, was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And I'm like, how does that work? Are they just making this shit up? Cause you want to, you want to like aim your sails towards where the wind is coming from in order to fill the sails and blow you forward, blow you forward. Right. So I don't understand the whole like sailor. I have no idea, but yeah, I don't don't know. You need the wind. Yeah. (laughs) And on, that con- and on that conundrum, let's end this. All right, man. Well, hey, that was kind of a random one, but very, fun. Very, yep. Um, we've got a few other shows and things and some other fun topics I know that I want to do. Yep. Looking forward to it. Yep. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in a couple weeks then. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.